So you, you've mentioned the exhibition, um, and perhaps we could talk a bit about that. So um, could you just say how the how the idea originated to have this this uh, exhibition on Tolkien? Yeah, uh, it originally started as an idea for a Hobbit exhibition to focus in purely on the Hobbit, um, and this was uh, came up in 2012. Um, so that might ring a bell because that was when Peter Jackson's films were in production, uh, The Hobbit films. It was supposed to be two films and then became three at some stage. And we were thinking about, oh, this is going to be another representation on film of Tolkien's works and wouldn't it be nice to present people with uh, uh, Tolkien's vision of Middle-earth and Tolkien's vision of The Hobbit rather than uh, just as a sort of counterbalance to Peter Jackson's uh, version. Um, so that's how it started, and we were thinking about, obviously we don't have the manuscripts of The Hobbit, but we were thinking about a showcase of um, the illustrations, which are amongst some of the best that Tolkien created, his illustrations for The Hobbit. Um, and perhaps an exhibition that would tour around the UK, going to lots of regional centres, and reaching out to um, uh, communities that don't have the opportunity to go to London to see major exhibitions. So this was the initial idea. Um, and you know what it's like in, in meetings around a table and, and somebody said, well, why are we just doing The Hobbit? <laughs> yeah, we've got this amazing Tolkien collection here. Um, and then it was like, sort of light bulb moment. It's like, why are we? Why are we limiting ourselves in this way you know, we could do a huge Tolkien exhibition. And we hadn't done one since 1992. Um, it was the last major Tolkien exhibition at the Bodleian. So we're talking about um, 20 years later. You, you're reaching out to a whole different audience. We've had the films, uh, Peter Jackson films, intervening in that time. Um, and so then the head of exhibitions at the Bodleian said to me, what would you do if you could do anything with the exhibition? You know, what would you do? I was like, well, easy. Bring them some of the manuscript material back from Marquette. Bring some of that, you know, the Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit, the written material back here, and showcase it with the drawings and the maps and the letters and, and everything that we've got here to just draw the whole collection together again. Um, that's what I really wanted to do, and that's what happened eventually. Yeah, with the with the help of financial help of the Tolkien Trust, with the you know the help of Marquette University being willing to um, facilitate that as well. Um, yeah, and the, so that's the route we went down. So it was called the Maker of Middle Earth. Um, did you have a narrative? I mean, I've never put an exhibition together, but I could imagine faced with this sort of wonderful collection of Tolkien yeah. material plus whatever we could get from Marquette mm. I'd, I'd be like a child in a sweet shop but did you have a narrative in mind thinking well I've got this amount of space I've got these many cases this is the story I we want to tell about mm. this yeah it was very much left to me um, but there was some debate about which space we were going to use um, so uh, there was the idea for it to go initially into S.T. Lee Gallery at the Western Library. So if you think back to the dates, 2012 is when we first started thinking about it and started planning. At that point, um, the Western Library was had been gutted 
and was just like a shell and was being rebuilt. And we'd been promised all sorts of new galleries and new spaces, but that wasn't an actual reality at that stage. So we're kind of working to something that's going to be a reality in the future, which, which yeah, we made it quite interesting. Um, and previous to the Western Library, we had quite a small exhibition room in the old school's quad in the Bodleian Library. And so we knew that there were going to be bigger spaces. There was going to be a permanent treasures gallery in the Western Library um, to showcase um, just all the wonderful treasures that we hold at the Bodleian. And there was going to be a changing exhibition in the St. Lee um, Gallery. So for Tolkien, initially it was to go in the St. Lee Gallery, and then there was talk of it taking over both um, galleries at once. Um, which I was like, oh, God, that would be fantastic. <laughs> I could just like, I would like double the space. And so I started planning for that. Um, and then there was um, lots of logistical problems around that. Uh, and then it was, um, it, it, it turned around again and it had to go just in the one gallery. So there's a kind of series of ups and downs of, of how much material I was going to be have, have and how much space was going to be available. Um, so, in terms of the overall concept, um, I didn't find that hard at all. I mean, I have worked with the Tolkien Archives since 2003, so I know the collection really well. Um, and it was obvious to me that I wanted to centre it on um, uh, his writings on Middle-earth. So, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and The Silmarillion. Um, and then around that, I was really keen um, to get in biographical elements of Tolkien's life um, so that we could just see him as a figure in the round um, we could see him not just as an author but um, you know as an academic at Oxford as a as, as just a real person a friend a father a, a mm. husband um, so that was important to me to give um, a greater impression of who Tolkien was um, yeah and they say that the material just filled the cases themselves really um, I wanted to have um, fans' reactions to Tolkien in one of the cases. In fact, I thought that that was going to be the final case in the room, was mm. going to be the reader's impressions. Um, and this was because we've got a large um, number of fan mail items, the letters that were written to Tolkien from his fans. We've got boxes and boxes in the archive. And this material has never been available to researchers and hasn't been published. And over the years, as I've been working on the Tolkien archive and cataloguing it, I'd come across some fascinating letters. <laughs> You're like, ooh, Terence Pratchett, I wonder if this is the Terry Pratchett. <laughs> it's from Beaconsfield, a bit of research later. I was like, yeah, definitely. Um, he wrote a fan letter as a 19-year-old to Tolkien, and Joni Mitchell wrote to him and you know, asked if you know, they could name their recording company after the characters from Lord of the Rings. Um, and so it had been very exciting over the years to, to find these sort of gems, and, but not to be able to share them. So I was really keen to get the, the, the reader's response. That was one of the first. Actually, yeah. yeah. I remember you go in and it was just there with the um, So an exhibition is a very fluid process to be involved in. And quite late on in, in the development, the whole room got turned around. The exit and the entrance got turned around. <laughs> um, which was, is a bit of a nightmare and some people did pick up on that and some visitors to the exhibition said they couldn't figure out the route around the room and I have to s confess 
that it didn't really run well is because we'd reversed it and and the reason for that was that we wanted to collaborate with Lux Muralis who do um, sound and light installations and we'd seen their work in Oxford um, and we're just really keen to incorporate that in some way into the exhibition and so they needed a dark enclosed space um, to work the projections and so um, the only space that we felt that we could use in collaboration with them was what we call the transept and it's a corridor between the two exhibition rooms and so we wanted visitors to walk down that corridor across maps of Middle Earth uh, towards the the, the doors um, of Durin at the end and then enter but that, that was, had always been the exit to the room. Right. And so some of the cases, they're all different shapes and sizes within the exhibition room, and they're immovable, and they're fixed. Um, so we just had to work mm. within... We, we desperately wanted people to walk through that transept and be, be immersed in, in um, Lux Muralis's sound and light projections before they entered the exhibition. And for that, we had to sacrifice the some of the um, uh, just the logic of when you, you entered the room that you didn't it didn't follow round so easily the route round the room and so the graphic designer helped hugely with that so she put um, a, a smaug dragon on the floor so if you came in you, you kind of turned towards that and we hoped that people would then go to the fan mail and that made as much sense to put that first as to put it last actually um, to see um, what, what did people think of Tolkien, who was he, what, how did they respond to him um, and to line that case with his works as well, his published works. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did, leave pe- it did leave people looking around the room then where do I go next? Um, so in a sense um, it didn't matter which case you went to. Um, mm. There was a, a, a biographical case in the centre of the room which told you something about his early life and his student days, um, but it wasn't really a chronological run yeah. through, it was quite thematic. There was that extraordinary photo of him at Exeter College and you either ringed or blotted out the, all the ones who didn't come back from the First World War, it was, that was incredibly <laughs> moving. Yeah, I, the, there was a kind of tussle with our um, graphic designer over whether the, the men, the boys who had died in the war should be um, ghosted out or whether it was the people who survived. <laughs> I, I wanted it to be the people who died who were then uh, almost greyed out. Yeah. Um, the designer wanted it to be the other way around. Um, but yeah, it, it's very visually yeah. striking. Yeah. You see this, this lovely matriculation photo and they do look very young. Um, despite all wearing suits and ties in the 1911. And then to see how that was decimated by the First World War, um, it's just it's very visual. And it has had a great impact, I think, on people who came to the exhibition. So apart from the feedback that some people found a bit confusing the layout, yeah. it was an extraordinary success. I mean, I remember cycling past here, seeing queues, you know, and the posters were up. And every time I came into the hall, there were people queuing. Have you got any idea the numbers that just attended that exhibition? Yeah, yeah, we had 138,000 visitors in 21 weeks. Um, we'd never had numbers like that for any Bodleian exhibition. I mean, 
it's just the whole, <laughs> the, all the statistics around the exhibition are, you know, the highest ever, the best ever, the biggest ever. The, <laughs> the book to accompany it, Maker of Middle Earth, was the biggest we'd ever published. You know, it's been the most successful. We've, we've, we've it's been translated into five different languages now. Um, you know, the, the communications team that worked really hard on promoting the exhibition. Um, they'd never had so many pieces of coverage in um, both UK and international news. Um, the shop retail sales of the product range outstripped anything they'd ever done, um, causing almost a bit of a meltdown with the retail staff because they just couldn't cope um, with the numbers who were coming and the number of sales that were, were coming in online as well that they were having to package up and send out across the world. Um, and yeah, we desperately kind of needed to take on more staff in in the shop as the exhibition went on. Um, so yeah, that was that was really difficult for the retail staff. They coped really well, but it it was an amazing range that they'd um, created, and it was the first time that we'd been able to um, sell Tolkien images of Tolkien's drawings on objects and items that weren't. And paper. So in the past we'd always had an agreement with the Tolkien Trust that we could use those images um, on paper products, so a poster or a postcard or a, uh, a greetings card. And um, they very generously gave us the rights to use those and for the proceeds to benefit the library. But for the exhibition, we wanted a much bigger range of items. You know, people expect when they go to any big exhibition show now to get the tea towel or the, 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 uh, the fridge magnet. Um, and so there was a lot of hard work went into that with the license for the Tolkien estate and um, with their support and the family support. Um, Alex Colton, our retail manager, just put together this beautiful range, you know, with everything from jewellery to to mugs um, and, yeah. and just to point out for anyone listening you can still go on the bodily shop website <laughs> and buy yeah. it and it's wonderful stuff yeah yeah it's still been sold it's, it's, it's a beautiful range yeah the catalogue you mentioned mm. um, which in itself is is an absolutely joyous production because it's not it the, there's all kinds of illustrations in there which you some of which you couldn't include in the exhibition mm. So in that, it's it's an invaluable book. But also, you selected a lot of essays by Tolkien scholars. So that that must have required quite a bit of work on your part. Mm. Yeah, it was certainly a busy few years. Um, the exhibition and the book together had to work in tandem because the book was an exhibition catalogue, which means that we wanted to show an image of every item in the exhibition and have text about that. So it had to follow closely, very closely um, the exhibition planning and production. Um, but obviously I was doing everything. <laughs> so I was doing the book and the exhibition. Uh, it took five years to plan the exhibition. Um, one year of that was writing the book. Um, the difficulty was keeping in mind the difference between an exhibition and a book. It, it sounds a sounds maybe a bit odd, but obvious that they're two completely different things. But an exhibition is an experience, it's a mm -hmm. show, it's a, it, you know, you've got to bear in mind that people just walk around, they're tired, they can only concentrate, you know, for a certain amount of time. You've got to keep 
the caption's very short, um, otherwise people just cannot engage with everything in the room. A book, you've got much more space in there, you're not limited, um, you can expand, um, you've got a different audience. Um, so it was just trying to, because the two were very closely meshed in my mind, it was just trying to keep a little bit of, of uh, distinction between what the exhibition was going to be and what the book, the outcome was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we really have an amazing exhibitions team at the Bodleian. Um, quite a small team, you can, I think there's five of them and I worked uh, really closely with head of exhibitions, Maddie Slaven. So every item that I selected to go into the exhibition, um, we would have a session where we laid out the case um, on the table, all the items that were going to go in the case, and then we would have a discussion. She said, well, why, why do you want this item? You know, what, what does this say? You know, what, what is this going to add to it? Or, um, you know, maybe we need more items in that case. Um, so it's quite funny. When we started at the very outset of the exhibition, um, the team said to me, you can only have between 60 and 70 items in that exhibition room because otherwise it's just crowded. It's not really a big room and the cases get crowded and people can't see. And I thought, no, I don't <laughs> think so because the difference between Tolkien and maybe other exhibitions that we've put on here is that we would often have a lot of books and books open out yeah. and take up a lot of room in uh, an exhibition case. But Tolkien worked on a very small scale, so even items which you might, uh, even I imagine them to be quite big in my mind, like the Hobbit dust jacket is actually quite a small item. Mm -hmm. And those Hobbit uh, watercolour illustrations like Smaug and the Raft Elves, they're only a small pieces of paper. And so as we went along, I pushed and pushed up, up and up <laughs> the number of items and we got up to 220 items and 200 books. Right. from the 60 or 70. <laughs> um, I mean, exhibitions absolutely know what they're doing and how to lay it out looks so yeah. beautiful. But even they realise that, that, okay, it's all single sheets of paper and it's all quite small. Um, and so when we came to look at the, the doodles on newspaper, which pr proved to be really um, popular section, that took me by surprise, actually, from the comments afterwards in the reader, uh, visitor books, People loved those newspaper doodles. Right. I'm still wondering why. They're um, beautiful, though, aren't they? <laughs> they are. And they're, you know, the elvish designs or anything. Yeah, so. yeah, but you think, well, the most beautiful artworks are like the Hobbit watercolours. But there was something about the immediacy of those doodles. That people, everybody's doodled as well themselves, yeah. haven't they? They've, they've been in a boring lesson or a boring faculty meeting yes. and they doodle something and they thought, Gosh, even you know Tolkien was doing this, and then he created something more from them. Maybe it was that. Anyway, when we were selecting items for that case, we realised we can get more and more in. <laughs> um, so, uh, in the end, the book did get a little bit out of sync with the exhibition because the book has to be finished and go off to the publisher to be printed. You know, almost nine months in advance, and during that time we're still adding material mm. to the exhibition. Um, so there was more in the exhibition than you'll see in the book, um, because e even the week that we were installing the exhibition, which is a really hectic time, they would say, oh, I think we could have more fan mail items. Just, just run down and pick some. I was like, what? 
<laughs> in the stack, like rummaging through boxes and pulling stuff out and, and, and like just, yeah, just arranging it in the case. And it was similar with the doodles as well. We realised we could get yeah. far more in there. So really, yeah, it's a really exciting time and it's, it, um, exhibitions is like that all the time. Yeah, I think it builds up and builds up to so this like huge crescendo of where they're trying to put everything into the case and look at, have it looking beautiful before opening day. You mentioned the feedback. Was there was there anything that sort of leapt out? I mean, the the, the bit about the doodles. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else that leapt out that you you just went, oh, I remember that for the future. Yeah, um, the thing that took us all by surprise, I think, was the emotional response to the exhibition, and that really comes out in the visitor books. So we always lay out um, a visitor notebook at the end of the exhibition at the exit. And we usually fill about four, four books. So they were filling one every week for Tolkien. So we got 20 visitor books full of comments. And there's a a, a marked section for you to fill in. It has like six or seven lines. And generally people just put wonderful, you know, lovely. But Tolkien, they just fill these sections up. You know, they, they had stories about you know, memories of their father, reading it to them, of how it helped them through difficult times in their lives, of, of you know, how they'd waited all their life to see it. It was just, it was really overwhelming to see those comments and to see um, the connection that people felt with, with Tolkien's work, how important it was to them, um, and, um, yeah, how, how moved they felt by the exhibition. Um, and that was actually a, a comment that um, Tolkien's daughter Priscilla said to me when she came out. She came to visit a number of times, just incognito, and because um, she lives in Oxford and was able to come in and wander around. And she had a free pass, obviously, to get into the <laughs> exhibition whenever she wanted to. And um, she said she kind of felt overwhelmed by, by seeing the material there and, and incredibly moved by yeah. it. Because of course this material that, that came to the Bodleian decades ago, is, she's, she's not seen it and we had very personal items on display from family photographs um, to mm-hmm. objects that the family loaned us. Um, so she said that initially she came um, on the first couple of visits and brought people with her friends and um, people who she wanted to show around the exhibition but then realised that she actually needed to come on her own and just you know, take it, take everything in. That must be extraordinarily emotional for her. Mm. I can't imagine what it must be like to see this contribution. Well, all these ins- ref- memories of your father's life mm. and your childhood and growing up, but then in the visitors' book, the impact your yeah. father has had on so many people around yeah. the world. It was extraordinary. Yeah, mm. and I think that was probably the the best thing about it for me was just seeing the joy that people got from the exhibition. So I'm based in the same building in the Western Library um, and my office, I can um, come out of my office into the corridor and I can look down into the space that's Blackwell Hall, um, which is sort of the entry space to the exhibition. And just to see the buzz down there, to see people, you know, excited, getting their tickets, queuing up uh, and then coming out talking about it or just to pop into the exhibition room at any point during its run and just to to hear the comments it was yeah it was really um really lovely 
a lovely that time for me. Goes back to that comment at the beginning of this interview where you mentioned the um, the girl you were talking to who said about mm. you can find messages in the Hobbit for getting you through this. Yeah. They are books that a lot of people emotionally associate with mm. for, for all kinds of reasons. Um, and it was the other thing was it wasn't just an exhibition of that, that was fantastic. There was all this raft of events around mm -hmm. it from what I remember and there were, there were talks and so on. Were you yeah. involved in, in thinking about the scheduling or the types of things we should be putting on? In some of it I was. Um, to be honest I was so busy with both the book and the exhibition that I didn't have a lot of uh, uh, time that I could devote to the outreach. Um, I, just looking back now I have no idea how we managed to put on so much and we could have you know you think, oh, we could have done so much more, but we just don't have the staff, and we didn't have the staff then. So we have one person at the time who um, was the education officer who was responsible for um, school groups and outreach, um, and she already had you know, quite a full programme, regardless of the Tolkien exhibition. Um, but she was responsible for putting on all the activities associated with the library late, um, so a library lay is an event that we put on about once a term. Um, it was uh, an evening event uh, in Blackwell Hall for the public. Um, lots of different activities happening in, in the space, uh, usually related to an exhibition. And the aim of the, the library lays is to bring in a different kind of audience to the library, to bring in a younger audience, to bring in people who've, who've never come to, to the Bodleian or the university before. So Tolkien was a very successful library late. Um, they had 400 people there for a couple of hours in the evening. And Rosie had put on all sorts of amazing events. That's our education officer, sorry, Rosie Sharkey. Um, from like the real riders of Rohan, who were Anglo-Saxon reenactors, um, to um, people helping um, public create uh, bookmarks using Elvis script, using Tengwar. Um, we had an artist, Clive Goddard, who was helping people create their own illustrations. Um, there was a living library of academics, um, so you could go over and select an academic to chat to uh, <laughs> with an interest in, um, in Tolkien, and yeah. a real personal engagement with an expert. And those many talks, yeah. yeah. And that was, re oh, th those, that was almost repeated in September for... Um, the Oxford Open Doors weekend, which is like the Heritage weekend, mm. um, and then we got uh, in one day in September we got five thousand people into Blackwell Hall, and I, you were part of that, yeah. Stuart, as well, delivering um, a talk. Um, and I wasn't involved in setting that up, and I wasn't um, I wasn't involved in the Open Doors day, but I just went along, uh, sort of incognito, and um, took part in some of the events. And so I was sitting at an arts table and I was creating um, a badge of, um, with a Silmarillion sort of heraldic crest on it. And I was chatting to the lady next to me and she was you know, getting all emotional about the exhibition, how she used to come from America and it was, it was so important to her. And I said, oh, I'm the curator. And she just couldn't speak. She was, <laughs> I think she was just like got overawed. You, oh, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> and it was like, oh, well, like, uh, maybe I've said the wrong thing now because it, <laughs> it sort of cut our conversation off then because she just, she just didn't know what to say. But it was just, yeah, it was just amazing to see people enjoying it. And 
also for me to be able to share all these highlights of the collections, like I mentioned the fan mail, and to share the artwork, which is usually not available even to um, researchers, and just to put on all the highlights and to, yeah. to share it with people and see the enjoyment from his, his fans and readers. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the best thing about it for me. And then anyone listening, that a lot of the talks are were recorded and they're on the Bodleian's podcast page, so you can go and see a lot of yeah. those sessions. But yeah. just, just to finish on it, um, I remember there was the launch event um, and you were talking about people coming from mm. you know all, all corners of the earth to see this exhibition because it did have that international feel but mm. being in the king's arms there were all these Tolkien scholars and then we had that lovely meal in the um, <laughs> in the divinity school I think it was I can't quite remember was, yeah. and there was yeah. the lightning storm at the side <laughs> and it was like the notion club papers and it was yeah a wonderful it time. was a, yeah it was a wonderful evening um, yeah. in terms of like the the visitor numbers we because it was the first ticketed event exhibition that we um, ever put on because I personally had concerns of huge queues everywhere and I didn't want people to have to queue around the block for two hours to get in to see the exhibition I really I was really against that and so after so many meetings can't tell you how so many months and um, we decided to go down the route of ticketing now it was free, but in, e in order to set up the ticketing system and to make it work, we had to charge one pound as sort of booking fee um, um, to, make, to make that work. It was hugely expensive actually. And so it gave you a time ticket and it sort of, it, it meant that there wasn't a build up of queues. But it also meant that we could capture some data on the visitors because when you booked your ticket, you put down some details like your postcode and things like that. So we were able to see that 20% um, of the visitors came from overseas. And we could also see that um, I think about 50% of our visitors came from Oxford and Oxfordshire. And that was actually really important to us, was to, um, to use this exhibition uh, and the appeal of Tolkien to sort of reach out beyond the usual clientele, if you like, that would come to Bodleian exhibitions or Bodleian talks or Bodleian events. Um, and typically these are older people or they've had, they had an association with the university, they had their current staff or maybe former staff or, um, and we really, we, we didn't want to get rid of those people but we really wanted to reach out beyond and we thought Tolkien is the exhibition where we can do this. And so we did have additional marketing to reach out to. Um, groups in Oxford um, uh, and to reach uh, people who never come into the Bodleian Library, n never had anything to do with the university, yeah. uh, thinks that maybe that, that wasn't for them, that the Western Library wasn't there for them. And, um, and just to have these range of events like the Library Late and Open Doors, the mm -hmm. Tolkien Book Quiz, um, to bring in people um, uh, into the space. And I think. Um, 70% of people who came to the exhibition had never been in the Bodleian before. So we, re wow. we really, yeah, we nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, it went abroad. Or yeah. Did you have much involvement in the um, exhibition in the States or in Paris? Um, well, the States was very closely tied. Um, the exhibition at the Morgan Library in New York was very closely tied to our exhibition. So, in fact, they took um, a subset of our mm -hmm. exhibition, they took about half the items. 
Um, so their curator there selected those items. I wasn't involved in that. Um, and they um, configured them for their space. Um, but it was just a subset of our exhibition. And so it, they were able to also take the book and the retail product range because that would work as well for them. Um, and that was, yeah, hugely popular uh, in America. Um, the exhibition in Paris at the Bibliothèque Nationale was completely different. It wasn't Maker of Middle Earth, it wasn't um, the Oxford exhibition at all. Um, so they came up with a completely new concept from scratch there. And so I just facilitated that in the background for both exhibitions. I would be you know, involved in um, supplying copyright information, making sure the images were supplied. Um, for Paris, I was involved in uh, the packing and the installation. So I went over there with, um, with the exhibitions team and oversaw the installation. Mm -hmm. um, which is quite exciting. But yeah, it was very much a background role that I would be doing right. from the Guardian. So it made me quite busy, but it, I wasn't involved in the curatorial no. decisions. So. That's interesting. Uh, well, I, I got to the Paris one, I didn't get to the States one. It had a different feel. It, mm. it, it was bigger, of course, yeah. but it was then um, touching on different things. So if you, you know, I have next to your catalogue, the catalogue from the mm. Bibliothèque Nationale, and they're two wonderful collections yeah. of go-to collections for Tolkien mm. um, material. I'm hoping they'll publish their catalogue in English. Yes, they, yes, they, yes. They don't have plans to yet, but that would be great, I think. Yeah. yeah. So presumably with the success, it's another couple of years we're going to rerun the exhibition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, there's maybe people in Oxford, uh, within the body, you know, think, right, we've done, <laughs> we've done enough talking now. <laughs> and also, you know, the, the collection itself, it has to be sort of safeguarded and protected from too much exposure. Mm. So it's had quite a lot of exposure with the similar items or a subset of the same items going to New York for a, quite a major exhibition. And then a lot of the same items going to Paris. Yeah. Um, so now we have to be quite careful. It's almost like we've used up quite a big allocation of display time and mm. um, you know the, the exposure to light um, and, hand, and a lot of handling goes on the exhibitions, the preparation and, and sending them. Um, so yeah, I'm quite happy to see it resting safely in the strong room now. <laughs> well, I'm conscious of time and you've, it's been fantastic. Just a couple more questions. I mean, you talked about the fact that it is um, a living archive in the sense that it is growing. Mm -hmm. um, more material comes in every now and then or you occasionally acquire material. Um, and the demands on your time and questions continue. Mm. Are you are you seeing any surge um, in terms of the Amazon series that's going to be coming up? Are, are you getting any questions from the film company or whatever related to the collection? No, no, I've never had any uh, involvement with the film companies, either uh, New Line or um, the Amazon production now. Um, mm. So, yeah, they, they, they're totally working without the and the archival material, their own vision. Um, and I haven't seen yet any uh, increase in inquiries. As I say, most of the inquiries I get tend to be from academic researchers who mm. already know that they want, need to use the items that we have yeah. at the Bodleian Library. Um, yeah, but uh, perhaps as that, that, um, that TV series comes to light, we might get more inquiries about the, the second age material. Yeah. Did Peter Jackson come to the exhibition, do we know? 
Not that I know of. <laughs> He's quite recognisable as well, isn't he? <laughs> well, he is, but he'd, he'd fit in in Oxford, I can imagine. <laughs> okay, so the final question, and I did, I did warn you I might ask this, so this is the unfair Desert Island Disc one. So if there was a fire or something, <laughs> what item would you save from the, the Tolkien archive? Do you have a particular one? <laughs> yeah, it's so difficult, isn't it? So, the whole archive as a whole, you know, every item adds something more to your knowledge of Tolkien, to his work, and um, I have to say, just personally, to totally personal choice is that I would, um, I would grab the, um, the gardens of the Merkings Palace, the watercolor that he painted for Roverandum, the children's tale. I just, yeah, I, I absolutely love that. I could, I could have that on my wall. I could look at it. Every day, yeah. <laughs> so that's my that's my favourite item. <laughs> well, I don't know the archive as well as you, but I remember looking through and finding one of the bits of the book of Mazabul and just thinking. And I, 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 was, I think I've mentioned this before. It was so strange because I thought, my God, this is the real manuscript. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one that was in Moria, and then um, turned it over, and it was of course lined like an ex school exercise yeah, book. Yeah, they're very flimsy items, so they're not on thick mm. paper at all. But there was secondary belief there for a moment. Yeah. I really felt yeah. I was handling <laughs> Well, thank you very much. That's been absolutely amazing and um, really grateful for you for your time. Okay, you're welcome. <laughs>